Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and I have Betty McDowell here, our Vice President of Ministry Services at Heartbeat International. And we have Kirk Walden in the house here at Heartbeat Studio. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd goes wild. Welcome, Kirk. It is great to be here. Kirk's been, uh, he's been on an episode before back in... Let's see, April of 2021, I had the pleasure of interviewing you. The, the title is 30 Years of Lessons Learned. We talked about your experience as a center director and then everything leading up to where you were in April of 2021. So we're going to take this opportunity to catch up with you since, uh, well, since about a year ago. So 31 years of lessons yeah. learned. Yeah. <laughs> Would you mind recapping for us? Yeah, and last year I sat around the house a lot and... <laughs> So before we begin, let me mention that uh, Kirk is here because he's a part of our Pregnancy Help Institute training this week that's happening um, at the Heartbeat office in Columbus, Ohio. And so we're glad to have Kirk with us along with a lot of other instructors and pregnancy help leaders around the country are joining us um, for some in-depth training. So, uh, And that training is brought to you by Heartbeat Academy. You can find out more about that at heartbeatservices.org. You can click on Academy. We have online ongoing training that you can access throughout the year. Um, you can find out more about conference and some of our other opportunities. So check out heartbeatservices.org, click on Academy, and you can learn more. Betty, I turn things over to you now. Hey, thanks so much, Christine. And just to clarify, so Kirk is here for training, but while he's very teachable and he is a learner, he is here actually as faculty to help train others. And it is a blast, yes. Um, So for our audience that may not be that familiar with you, although I don't know who that could possibly be, because I think that we have so many Kirk Walden fans. It's true, folks. When we haven't, we we actually, because he has such a servant's heart, willing to help us at things like conference to do registration, um, we can't have him there. We can't have him out because no one will move out of the line. They all just want to see Kirk Walden. So, um, so we have to limit him in some of the things that we have him do because we know there are a lot of Kirk Walden fans out there. And Christine and I are fans as well. And I love to talk. I- <laughs> I I did not get the gift of introversion, unfortunately, and so uh, I'm a yapper. So. Yeah, nor did I. So I'm with you. <laughs> you and me work. So just for our audience who may not be, the, the two people who may not be familiar with you, Kirk, um, Kirk jumped into pregnancy help as an executive director of Women's Hope Medical Clinic. That was back in 1991. He served there through 1999, then launched Life Trends, a company serving pregnancy centers, eventually partnering with dun, da, 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 Heartbeat International. Um, he joined the Heartbeat team, and he currently serves as a consultant, uh, assisting in ministries and development and fundraising. Kirk is one of America's most sought-after banquet speakers. He has assisted pregnancy help organizations in raising more than, it says here, $45 million. It's Something probably more than that because this might be a few months old or at least. Or, yeah, I mean, it, and the neat thing about it is, you know, I, I say assisting because it's all about the ministry. Mm-hmm. I get to be a part of that, and I get to talk, and I get to point people to the ministry, but... Uh, so it's really assisting. I'm just thrilled to have gotten to be a part of it. I will never tell people I went out and raised 45, 50, mm-hmm. whatever that number is, because it's we're doing this together. So it's That's a lot awesome. of fun. That's awesome. So Kirk is an author. He is a speaker. He um, is a fundraiser, and he's a friend. 
And so um, it's really exciting for us to be able to spend some time with you. I could probably go on because I've known you long enough. I know that he's a, a husband and a father and a golfer. There aren't that many people that would say that they're golfers. And you people will say I golf, but I'm not a golfer. But you actually qualified as being a golfer and a journalist yes. and a few other things along the way. I've worked at newspapers. I I played college golf and turned professional in 1985, which was a short career. <laughs> As a professional golfer, I'm best in pregnancy care ministry. I can go. tell you that much. But it was a great opportunity. Got to play with some great players and and have some good stories about what it's like to fail. So at a at a high profession or something like that. So, um, but it was a it was a lot of fun playing professional golf, even for a short time. Well, one of my favorite stories about you, Kirk, is one that I've heard you share more than once, and so I'm going to ask you to give us a synopsis of uh, your story, um, because there are a couple things that you do that you once uh, said, yep, not not going to do that. So maybe set not the scene thing. and tell us about that. I was going to my final interview with a pregnancy center in Auburn, Alabama, Women's Hope, uh, back in 1991, is 9091 right in there right before I got the job. And the board asked me those interview questions. What's your greatest strength? And I can't tell you what my answer was. I have no idea what I told them. But I do remember when they asked, what is your greatest weakness? And blabbermouth here. I wish I was more of an introvert. I had to give them two. And the first one I told Over, them. Overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to check that box twice. But uh I told him, well, number one, I, I'm not a public speaker. That's not my thing. I It petrifies me to stand up in front of people. And I even had stories of absolute failure in front of people more than once. And uh, I said, I'm not a public speaker, but I know if you're the executive director, you have to stand up in front of the banquet crowd and give about seven to ten minutes on what the ministry does. And all I can tell you is I will try, but it's not my thing. You need to know that up front. I said, secondly, asking people for money scares me as well. I'm not good at it. I remember going back to Little League baseball days and having to sell cans of peanut brittle for my <laughs> uniform, and I just, it was awful. And uh, I told him, I'm not a fundraiser. I said, but I know I'll have to try. So two things I told him: I'm not a public speaker. I'm not a fundraiser. And what do I do today? I'm mm -hmm. teaching development this week at Institute, telling people, helping people with their fundraising and yes, I speak at events around the country, 30, 35, 40 a year. And I think, isn't that amazing that, that God, number one, has a sense of humor? Uh huh. But number two, where we are weak, he is strong. And I can tell you, every time I get up to speak in an event, I am nervous and uh, very nervous. You may not know it, but once I get on the stage, I'm fine. But before that, I wish I could just stomp around a room somewhere and try to get out the jitters. But, um, but where we're weak, he's strong. And so we've had some good things happen through that. But I never run around telling people I'm good at this or I'm good at that. I know better than to do that because I know where I came from. I hear you. But I can say that you're good at it because I've heard you. You um, you really you know the community. You know the pregnancy help community. And so I know that that's an advantage. But just uh, by virtue of your personality, you connect well with people. You're approachable. Uh, you're funny. And you're inspirational, and those are great things to have in a in a speaker. So, and the biggest thing we can do is just be real and mm -hmm. be vulnerable. We were talking about that Monday. We did, I did a short session with the group on Monday morning, and one of the things that jumped into my mind was if we can be vulnerable with people and be real, then they they will connect with us. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't pretend to be anybody when I'm on the stage. I just have to be me. And there were times early when I was speaking, I started speaking in 2000, there were times when I would think, well, if I could be more like this person, mm-hmm. I could be more successful. It's like the Lord stopped me one day and said, you can't be that person. I didn't ask you to be that person. You be you. And I think it's a lesson for all of us in this ministry that we've all got stories to tell. We've all had challenges in different ways. And if we can be real and transparent with people in different ways, you know, our clients will connect with us better. Our donors will connect with us better. Uh, We don't have to have it all together. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we can be real, then people go, okay, they are approachable. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of people come up to me as I tell stories at events. They come up to me afterwards and say, I've never heard somebody be willing to say what you just said. And I felt the same way or something uh-huh. like that. And I think, yeah, because I, I was a single dad for nine years and and uh, going through raising kids on my own and and married Jen and then two kids that were surprises that I didn't expect. And one and that first one, I was like, I don't know if I want another baby. Well, what pro-life speaker stands up in front of people and mm. says, I that bothered me. I was angry when I found out we were pregnant. And I wanted it to go away. I wasn't going to go take her somewhere, but I wanted it to go away until the Lord kind of reached me and said, Kirk, you know how you tell everybody else how children are a gift from the Lord? I'm trying to give you a gift. Mm -hmm. And if you'll just accept that gift, it's going to change everything. And it did. And, uh, and of course, then we had another baby after that. And and, uh, it was great, you know, but I had to shift my thinking and I'm and when people hear that from somebody who who knows all the statistics, who knows how soon a baby's heart begins, be, I had all the knowledge. But when you've been a single dad for nine years and you have uh, a pregnancy with a, a, a new wife and everything's great, but still I'm like, I am done with parenting, right? No, you're not. You're starting <laughs> over. So it threw me for a bit of a loop, but it has been a great, great journey. So. Uh, but I had to relearn what I really believed. Mm, and you have a beautiful family. You I do. really do. Yeah, there are a couple that aren't. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. They're all, they're all beautiful. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk after yeah. after we shut this off. Then, then you can give then you can give those details. <laughs> um, so, because you have been involved in helping pregnancy centers and really telling their story, uh, connecting sure. them to the community, and raising funds, we've had this thing that just happened recently. This famous SCOTUS decision, which is, I don't know, it's like a planetary uh, shift of sorts that has happened. And so I thought it would be great for our audience to hear from you. Um, Think of what you're doing in serving the pregnancy centers before the Dobbs decision. And what does it look like, feel like, what's it like now helping pregnancy centers um, after the Dobbs decision, I know it's still it's still fresh, but sure. I know how busy you are. You're you're <laughs> you're out there doing the stuff. So, what's the shift? What's it What's it been? What do you see? What do you feel? What do you experience? Yeah, I, I actually got to be a part of three or four events after the the leak of the Alito draft mm-hmm. of the opinion. So, when I went to these events after I think it was May seventh or something like that when the leak hit, I can't remember, but it was in early May. As we all know, the press was reporting and we were hearing it looks like it's at least five to four or whatever. And uh, I would go to these banquets. And, of course, everybody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. But what's amazing to me is that at each of those events, if I remember correctly, giving went up 
a lot. Mm. It was almost like people were energized and saying, yes, and now we're going to pour into these centers like never before. And I think there there may be a myth out there that the Christian community might be saying, well, good, now we got Roe overturned, and so we can relax a little bit. And there is some relaxing, it's good, but at the same time, they're saying, now we need to step up. And I got a call or a text two days after the Dobbs decision. And a neighbor of mine, he he texts me and says, hey, Kurt, got a pro-life question. Can I talk to you? And I said, sure. I know where he stands. He's pro-life guy, votes pro-life, all those things. And so he and I go out to lunch mm-hmm. the next day, three days after Dobbs. And he goes, Kirk, you know I'm pro-life. He's got a he's got a sister who's kind of on the other side of the divide there. And he talked to me about that before. But he says, you know, in our state, because I'm from Tennessee, because we've got a trigger law and it's going to be illegal in most cases. He said, but I want to know what can I do? Because there are still women out there who are in a tough spot. And I want to know what to do. I believe what's exciting to me. I just see tons of opportunity. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just got these rose-colored glasses and I'm the eternal optimist, but I see huge opportunity because he's your average person. He's not average. He's an extraordinary man. Goes to church each week, does what he does, loves his family, shares the good news with people, has is an independent businessman and, and that sort of thing, and he goes, I want to help. Give me some concrete things I can do. So I was able to point him to a pregnancy center and say, what about this? And we're able to discuss ideas that he and his wife, where they can now jump in and get involved. And I think those people out there are an untapped resource. And I don't know why before Roe was overturned, these people weren't quite as active. But I I think, and I can't quite explain it, but I think they were thinking, well, it's a political thing. And for a lot of people, especially in states that are trigger states, they're going, it's not political anymore. Now the church is unleashed. Mm-hmm. And I even believe that in states where nothing's going to change uh, in the immediate future, that people are saying, okay, we need to step up. And I, I truly believe, Betty, that compassion is the answer. And as we raise our compassion quotient for those in this situation, it's not that we didn't have compassion. We obviously do. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have done all the things we did, have done over the last 50 years. But I believe there are a lot of people wanting to join us right now and say, okay, the political's on the shelf, or it, it is what it's going to be. Because in most states, it's pretty much decided where they're going to land. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a few that, that are maybe in the middle, but for most states, you're either going to be a life state or an abortion state, one or the other. Well, I think in all those states, now that that is settled, I think the church, a lot of people in the church are going, I'm ready to get involved. Count me in. And I think pregnancy centers have a great chance to reach out to these people and say, we're right here. You've got a tremendous opportunity to be a part of these people's lives. And I also believe that people want to go deeper with the young women and the men facing this situation. It's no longer, and it's always been more than the baby. It has been for us. Heartbeat, it has been for pregnancy centers around the country. But I think a lot of people are realizing that now, that maybe missed that before because all the argument was over when does life begin and, and when it should be legal and all that. Now we're a lot of people who have been just kind of watching from a distance are refocusing and saying, it's about that girl, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. about that girl facing and it's about that young man who's never had a dad. How do we dive in there for them, take them by the hand, break cycles of dependency 
and and for those who have faced things like abuse, how do we reach her and change her life? I just I'm so excited because I think <laughs> this is the time when we get to do that. And I'm going to stand up and get too far away from the microphone if I get too excited. So I need to just settle down. Oh, <laughs> well, Christine will pull you right back. That's right. That's she will do that well. She's Christine's tough. my bud. She'll keep me in line. Yeah, but, yeah. But this is a great time. So that um, that compassion that you talk about, I, I appreciate you saying that because while I think that is just so such a great descriptor for pregnancy help and what happens in pregnancy help organizations, um, I do think because of, in one sense, the vitriol that we hear from others, uh, that compassion plays well for us because the um, Dobbs decision, at least it, it brings this whole thing to the forefront. So even those who are angry or upset or have the political bent in that anger and being upset, um, that still gives us that opportunity to show compassion to them and allowing us to perhaps talk about the issue. There's a lot of stuff out there that's very inaccurate. In fact, I would go so far to say it's propaganda, not only about pregnancy centers, but about what it means to a woman making that decision. And I'm very grateful. There are lots of organizations out there right now uh, Charlotte Lozier being one of them, just put sure. some great information out about what those laws actually mean in states. So it gives us some tools to be able to perhaps talk, but again, that compassion for those who don't know or those who've had abortions and are now thinking, there's so many so many people, we've seen this um, in centers, and just like banquets, the number of people, the sure. money have gone up, yeah. the number of visits to pregnancy centers, we've seen that go up. Um, but women who who have tied kind of the moral decision or the moral uh, landscape to the decision. So it's like, well, it was legal, and, and when I had that abortion, now it's illegal, so I won't have the abortion. Yeah. Um, and trying to reconcile what that, it's very schizophrenic, and it them is. trying to reconcile that. And even those that help in the pregnancy help movement, there's compassion that we need to have for all of these folks going forward. Um, and so it's that it's that kind of place where I think when you're helping to raise funds and you're speaking out at a pregnancy center, there's a boldness that's required, a hopefulness that's required along with that compassion um, to do all of that. So I'm glad that you're out there doing that. It's huge. Compassion means, short definition, to suffer with. Mm-hmm. And we remember the story of the Good Samaritan who, because he had confa- com- compassion, he reached out to the guy who was wounded on the side of the road. And we are talking about this the other day. It's just fascinating to me that Jesus was asked, how do I get eternal life by this lawyer? And in the end, Jesus tells this story, and he ties compassion to eternal life because at the end of that story, he says to the lawyer, he said, okay, who was it? Who was the person who did the right thing? And the, and the lawyer says, says it was the third guy who showed compassion, the mm-hmm. good Samaritan. He wouldn't say he was a Samaritan, but it was that third guy. And Jesus says, now go and do the same. In other words, he ties eternal life directly to compassion. And I think we get to do that. The only people who can really show compassion, I believe anyone can show compassion, but we can take it to a new level, mm-hmm. the Christian community. And what, I mean, I believe it can win those people that are kind of looking right now and saying, okay, which side do I fall on? Because there's so many people kind of in the mushy middle on this and not quite sure where to turn. They always turn toward compassion. Mm. You know, you show compassion on a TikTok or YouTube video and you get a billion views, you know. 
And you see those people just flock to them. Well, we're going to do that every day through pregnancy centers. We're going to keep doing it, and we're going to turn it up a notch even now. And I believe over time, if we'll keep our hope and keep going forward, there will be people that are just kind of looking and say, where do I land? They're going to say, whatever they're having, give me some of that. And they're going to join us. So your positivity is you you are. You have a... You can you look at the glass and it is it is half full overflowing yeah yeah um, or at least half full yeah to, half full. headed toward overflow yes so you're talking about um, kind of that awakening and so if if I said okay um, let's be prophetic here yeah. um, and look down the road just even a little further what would be your hope add to that what you're saying what's your hope what do you think is can happen and will happen. Uh, now that it's post-row, what does that mean for pregnancy help? Uh, what does that mean for our culture? I will put this with an if and say if we step up as the church. And I, when I say the church, I mean just people who are trying to follow Christ. That's the church to me. All Which right. is the pregnancy help movement is Which the is church, the pregnancy help yeah. movement. Yeah. If we step up with the compassion that I'm beginning to see. I do use, use the word awaken. Mm-hmm. You've tapped into something because I believe uh, you stole my thunder, but that's okay because we're buds and uh, you're allowed yeah. to do that. Yeah, I get used to it. But I believe we could see, I say could, I want to be careful, mm-hmm. we could see a spiritual awakening that we have not seen in our lifetimes because everybody is zeroing in on this, quote, issue mm-hmm. right now. They're watching to see what happens and they want to know, is the church the church? Because there are people out there looking, and they're the skeptics, and they're the cynics. I can't help the cynics. Mm-hmm. But I can I can reach a lot of skeptics. And I believe there are a lot of skeptics going, well, is the church going to be judgmental right now? Are they going to high-five each other and say, ha, oh, we made it illegal, and we're walking away, and we won that one, we're going to go find another war? Or are they going to reach into the lives of those who are really struggling with this? And back to that word, compassion, I believe in us. I believe in the church. I believe we're going to step up our compassion. And those pregnancy centers out there, this is the time to go to the church and not berate them for not doing enough in years past or whatever it is, but to say, hey, here's an incredible opportunity. Mm -hmm. We're, We're the answer to those people in this situation. Come join us. And we will join you because our mission, part of our mission is the people who come through our center one day will not only be in your churches, but they will be contributing, and they will be people offering compassion to other people. Mm. That's what we want. I think we could see an awakening. Not sure exactly what that looks like, because I don't know that anybody n- ever knows what an awakening look like. Mm-hmm. What looks like until it actually happens. But I believe, I believe it can happen, and I just think I am pumped. I'm ready. <laughs> so let's get this thing started. Good word. Good word. <laughs> All right. So my next question for you, because um, as I've introduced you, uh, author and speaker, along with yes. all the other titles that you carry, um, as an author, you you have you want to talk about uh, the title of of the book that you've published? Yes, uh, the book was the Wall. It was published in 2013, and in that book, we outlined. I believe that we could see the end of abortion in in in, in ten years, and here we are, ten, and it's now illegal, which is. Something, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, outline, yeah. How <laughs> I outline how pregnancy centers could be the first choice for those facing unexpected pregnancies and a plan to get there. And if we're the first choice, the second choice disappears. And uh, so that book was 
it really it hit a lot of people. In fact, just the other day, somebody ordered a hundred of those books. They still people like that book. I'm so thankful for that. It's a good book. It's and we've used it. We've recommended it. We've you've taught from it. And yep. sure. Um, all right, uh, but. Any other writing projects yeah. going on you want to give us a hint to that we well, should be on the lookout for? I was for? working on a project. Uh, I talked about the Good Samaritan. I was working on that project and a book to go along with that that relates to pregnancy centers. And I thought I would just put Dobbs in there when the decision came down because mm-hmm. I was about finished with it. I was going to slide Dobbs in just to make it what I would call evergreen content instead mm-hmm. of something that, hey, we may get a Supreme Court. Well, I wanted to wait. But then when it came down, things switched. And just that phone call from my neighbor up the street about what can I do, it struck me about this awakening idea and what Mm. could happen. And so Jen and I, my wife, are working on a project uh, with that, and we hope to have that out soon. So Ah, so be on the lookout for that, folks. Stay tuned. We'll we'll give you more information on that when we uncover it, when we know it. You'll hear it here first. (laughs) Um, All right. So last question for our time together. All right. Um, thinking about your life, if you could share with us either a person or an event, something that has happened to you that has um, really changed you, maybe reshaped or your own awakening as to who you are and or how you do ministry. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Remember when I talked to the board at the beginning of our conversation, I said I had two <laughs> I yes. Have two weaknesses. Well, yes. I got two people. All right. That hit me. One is Effie Cannon, my English teacher, as a junior in high school, and I was scribbling away. I'd written the paper, and she handed it back to me, and I loved writing, but she said, "Kirk, you're a writer. You need mm-hmm. to go into journalism school or something." And I was. I didn't think much about college. I'd just go to my local college, go to Auburn University, and I did, but. I thought, well, I'll try journalism, and that got me started writing. It's uh-huh. amazing what one sentence from one teacher can do. And I had the privilege of writing her a thank you note. I met her husband later on in my life, and I said, I want to give this to your wife. because I, I didn't know where they lived or anything, but I happened to meet her husband and was able to do that. Now wow. she and I are Facebook friends, uh, which makes us best buds, of course. <laughs> but the second one was I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning, uh, a month before the 1980 election, and the pastor did a message, uh, Al Jackson, on the sanctity of life. He was a new pastor at that church, and uh, that was what struck me. I'd never been impacted by a crisis pregnancy at that, you know, or anything like that. And uh, he preached that message, and for some reason, the Lord used that to basically say, "Kirk, this is this is your calling." Wow. I didn't know what that would look like. Got involved in politics for a while, and now been involved in pregnancy help for 31 years. But uh, one pastor, so if a pastor out there is listening, you have no idea the impact you'll have. Mm. And Al retired uh, this year. And so uh, he had been at that same church since I heard that message in 1980. He he came there two years earlier, and he's been at that same church all those years. And just an amazing man with a heart for God. And so, yeah, I thank those people who, so many, but I think of those two when you ask me that question. Wow, it's the the power of our words. So thankful oh, yes. for those teachers, for those pastors, and thankful for your words as an author, as a speaker, um, a man of inspiration. Well, so we appreciate you being with us this week. We appreciate you taking time to let us catch up with you and record it. So it's yeah. kind of fun to do that. What an honor to be a part of the Heartbeat family 
just all the time whenever you call, but especially this week with Institute. It's probably, as I told you in your office before we came over here, probably one of my favorite weeks mm, of the year. Ours too. Work-wise. Ours I just too. love it. So it's this is a way to cap that week, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, thanks, Kurt. And with that, I will turn it back over to you, Christine. Thanks, Betty. And thank you, Kirk. It's always a joy to listen to you speak. And it's almost like you do that professionally or something. You're just so <laughs> One day <laughs> so I'm going to, but uh, <laughs> one day I want to do that. But just hanging with you has been a blast. Yeah, so. it's been fun. It's been fun to hear what you've been up to lately. So uh, we'll keep everyone posted on your projects and your writing. Um, again, if you're interested in Pregnancy Help Institute or some of our other academy resources, go to heartbeatservices.org, click on Academy, um, or just contact Heartbeat. We'd love to tell you what upcoming trainings that we have. So with that, uh, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss our next episode. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.